Hallelujah. Amen. I was going to tell you boys, go ahead and get your normal spot. Don't worry about all you girls. Just go ahead and get your normal spot over here like turtles lined up on a log there. But um, I don't know uh, all of you that, that still want to social distance, feel free to do so. All of you that don't want to worry about it, I guess there's really no use to worry about it. Uh, there's no way that I can stop you from doing it anyway. But if it gets too crowded for you and you're not comfortable, there are some chairs in the uh, prayer room. You're welcome to set them on the back wall, find an open space. I don't criticize anyone who wants to do that. And uh, But anyway, I just go ahead and let them set where they want to set. So you can set wherever you want to set from now on. Um, do it like you want to do it. I ask you, please... If we could refrain from shaking hands and hugging necks, I know it's difficult for you to do that, but let's try to do that for another few weeks and uh, try to stay um, as healthy as we possibly can. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. It's so good to be in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We come... We come to worship a great and mighty God that no matter what's going on in life, He's still worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Amen. So let's praise Him together today and worship His great name.
good to be in church. Yes. Hallelujah. We want to welcome all of our guests. I want you to know that you're welcome. We come to worship God this morning because we owe Him our praise and thanksgiving. We want to pray for the ones that are sick, not able to be here. We want to pray for Jody Lillinus and Sister Bergeron, Paul Newsom, Charles Ritchie, Joyce Nunn, and the Guy family. And let's all remember the. Remember Pat Hollister. We want to remember the Dixon family. We, have, we want to ask God to take charge of this service. Every need is here. God is more than able. So let's love God this morning, church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Every need, Lord, every petition, you more than able. You more than able, God. You see the situation. God, we ask you to have your way in this service, Lord. God, fill someone with the Holy Ghost. Touch them, heal them. Supply the need, Lord. Encourage them. Lift them up, God. Lift them up in this service. Lord, the man of God as he brings the word, Lord, we need you. God, we need you. We're dependent upon you, Lord. Standing on your promises, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Believe in you, God. Believe in you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Brothers, bring the offering pans. And Brother John, come get ready to sing if you would. And uh, we're going to have a good church. Yes. Glory. a hand clap as Brother John sings. Sing, Brother John. Thank you. 
thankful that God looked beyond our faults, beyond your faults, beyond my faults, and saw our needs. Why don't we give Him some praise? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you. You can be seated. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. So glad to see everyone that is here today. And uh, glad to see some some new familiar faces. And uh, glad that you're in here in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen. And why don't, why don't we all just give our guests a good hand clap? Glad that they're in church today. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad to have Brother and Sister Burgess here with us and uh, looking forward to the Word of the Lord. And uh, we appreciate and love them very much, and our prayers have been with them, the prayers of this church. And uh, I'm glad to see Brother Chris able to be in church today, been praying for him, their family. And uh, we want to remember to pray for the Dixon family today. And uh, such a shock and a surprise, a very unpleasant surprise yesterday morning. And uh, you never know what a day is going to hold. That's the reason why we always want to be prepared, not just for this life, but the afterlife, most importantly. And uh, so let's pray for them and ask the Lord to touch them this afternoon. We'll have more information the scheduling of services for that. And um, I want to remind you next Sunday, the 7th, I believe that's next Sunday, will be our graduation celebration for our graduates. Why don't we just give our graduates a good hand clap congratulating them. So we'll have a party for them immediately following Sunday night service. So invite your friends and uh, family members. Brother Laster, by their voting, will be the speaker. And uh, he will be coming in Saturday, I believe. And uh, looking forward to next Sunday service and the celebration afterwards. Also, I want to uh, make mention of if everything goes according to plan, We will start up Sunday school uh, next Sunday. We will not do individual classes, but we will have um, the teenage group will be upstairs as usual, and uh, then the younger ones will be over in the gym. So uh, we will not be moving them to classes. The nursery class will remain closed at this time, and uh, so it will be those ages and up. So remember that. That will be next Sunday. So all of you, when you come to church, instead of coming in here, uh, children, you'll go over to the gym and uh, be having class over there. So remember that. Also, we want to pray uh, for the Calvert family. Brother Calvert, a wonderful man of God, uh, pastor to church in Kansas City, passed away uh, Monday morning. And uh, I think it was, no, it was Saturday morning. And uh, so we want to remember to pray for, it was Friday morning, that's when it was. I'm going to get it right eventually, but my days are kind of running together. But remember, that family, ask the Lord to touch and strengthen them. Wonderful man of God, and uh, died suddenly, unexpectedly. And uh, so we want to pray for that family today and ask the Lord to touch and strengthen them. On a more positive note, is it, is it, or, or am I mistaken, it's been so much happening, is this the first time for the Barnhart baby to be in church? All right, congratulations, brand new member this morning. And, uh, 
welcome her to church this morning. And uh, praise God. I'm glad that I'm in church. Amen. I'm glad, I'm glad I know the Lord. There's no better time than right now to be serving God, to be living for God, to be on your way to heaven. This world's in a chaotic mess. And things are going on that is crazy. You think the coronavirus is crazy now. we got rioting and looting and all kinds of crazy things happening. And uh, all kinds of crazy ideas going on. And I, I tell you, I, I see people that, that in the midst of troubles, there, there's two ways to go. You can never stay the same in living for God. Living for God, there's no way to stay the same. Either a trial will push you further away from God or cause you to draw closer to God. Either living uh, in the good times and everything going well, you'll get to the place that you don't feel like you need God, or you'll get to the place where you want to thank God for all that He has done for you. So living for God, you can never remain the same. And in this chaos that is going on in this world today, I want to find myself drawing closer to God and not to let, let the problems of this world disturb me. Amen. Amen. Because the Bible tells us that when we see these things happening, when we see all of this chaos, they ask Him in Matthew chapter 24, it's recorded, show us the sign, give us the time, let us know what will be the time of thy coming. And he said, when you see all of these things happen, he said, don't get scared. Don't lose your mind. Don't go crazy, but look up. Amen. Keep your head pointed in the upwardly direction because that's where our help comes from. Amen. That's where, that's where our strength comes from. It's in God. And I'm glad in this day and hour, That I have a God that I can depend on. That I can trust in. Amen. Amen. God is good to us. Well, I'm not going to preach this morning. We have a preacher here. And we're looking forward to the Word of the Lord. Why don't we all stand today? Amen. Let's welcome Brother Burgess to this pulpit to obey the Lord. To give us what the Lord has laid on his heart. We love you and appreciate you, Brother Burgess. Praise God. Uh, you may be seated. I'm happy to be in church today. I'm more thankful for church than I've ever been for in my life. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. When the, uh, the brightest spot, if not the only bright spot in your week, is when you can go to church and be with God's people and Feel the powerful Holy Ghost moving and touching and blessing. and uh, So I'm more thankful for church than ever before. I'm glad to be in church in Silsby this morning with uh, people that I consider my friends. I'd like for my wife to come come up today. And I heard that somebody said uh, that they heard Brother and Sister Burgess were going to be preaching here today. And Brother Looper said, well, we hope it's just Brother Burgess. <laughs> well, we'll try to make sure that 
is the case, but I, in a moment I will give her a chance to uh, say something or sing. Uh, she usually says good things, and I try to listen to her when she speaks. But I want to take just a moment uh, before I let her sing or speak, talk to you a second. But anyway, I want you to know that I consider you our friends uh, and I don't think I've had many of you tell me personally that you've been praying for us, but occasionally I have people tell me that, and my response is, we already know it without you telling us. It's very evident that people that know us or don't know us, but care about us during this difficult time, uh, we thank you. We already know you're praying for us, and we we thank you very much. I want to tell you uh, about your pastor and his wife, brother and sister Looper. We already knew they were our friends. Have been for years, I suppose. Been our friends. We don't see each other real often, but we always look forward to and enjoy uh, being with them on any occasion. But uh, on February 20th of this year, about 7.30 in the morning, uh, in case you don't know, we received the worst news we had ever heard in our lives and hope that it's the worst that we'll ever hear. That uh, our son Blake, who a lot of you know, was killed in a car wreck that morning on his way to work. So that was about 7.30 that morning, and uh, of course, news started spreading. I suppose we called some people. We didn't call a lot of people, but uh, somewhere along the way, your pastor and Sister Looper heard about it. And uh, it was—I don't remember what time of the day, but it was sometime before the end of that very day. Your pastor, Brother and Sister Looper, uh, walked into my house with a couple of other good friends of ours. And so, uh, I don't want to say I was surprised. Obviously, certainly I was not surprised, but kind of surprised. I don't know how to say it. I I knew they cared enough about us to do it, but still I couldn't help but be a little surprised that somebody would drive that far that soon uh, to be there for for us. But uh, I think I told him. I think I told you, but I want to tell you in front of your church that uh, you you proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that you uh, that you love us and you're our friends uh, beyond what would even be expected. And uh, he came home. That was Thursday. He came home. I don't know what day, but he you came home for church Sunday. We buried Blake Monday, and he was back at my house in Carthage Monday and helped. Uh, help do the graveside service. Wonderful, tremendous words that he spoke to us and for us that day. And so they went way out of their way to be our friends uh, that weekend and that Monday morning. And we appreciate it, Brother and Sister Looper, very much. And we appreciate you sharing them with us for that little bit of time. We appreciate it very much. So happy to have friends. Even more happy to have Holy Ghost apostolic friends. Amen.
Praise God. So I've been wanting to say that to all of you, in particular Brother and Sister Lupert. I wanted to say it publicly. Uh, And so thank you for giving me that little bit of time to do that. We love you very much and thank God for you. We do ask you to continue to pray for us. Most days we do good, but every once in a while we need you to pray for us. So if you would, please continue to do that. I'd like for my wife, I'm sure she has some things she'd like to say to you. And uh, then she can sing. Lord, uh, for the Holy Ghost and for being here in church with y'all today, and uh, along with my husband, I'm so appreciative for the family of God. I'm so thankful for true friends that um, will stand with you when the road gets rough and rocky, and uh, it's just good to know that you have people um, in the family of God that love you. I want to thank this church for praying and um, the Looper girls for being such a, a friend to Brooklyn. And um, I, I've just, I thought whenever I was, um, it's been probably a couple months ago, right? it was a couple weeks after um, Blake's accident and everything was, you know, everybody had gone home. And this song came to me. I'm not going to sing it today, but some of you may, um, I don't know how many of you would remember, but a young man in this church was killed in a car accident. And I was probably about eight or nine years old. I'm thinking it was in 78. Lamar Cook was killed in a car wreck here. And I remember sitting in that funeral here in the old church, and this song was sung, and it was said, Friend, don't worry about this heavy load I carry. Don't be concerned if it brings me to my knees, because I know a place where my load's going to lighten, and I'm going to be all right as soon as I reach Calvary. And I, I'm telling you, that's been over 40 years ago, and I just thought, you know, that same God, Calvary is still as powerful and still as real as it was. I remember just a little girl. I really didn't understand everything then. And now, here I am on that road. And like my husband said, there it was something just different about the house of God. I've always loved going to church. and But it was just like a safe place where the Spirit of God, where you could get something that you can't get anywhere else. There is comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Brother Looper said it so well at the graveside. He talked about whatever you're close to, that's what you're... He talked about falling and reaching for the handrail or something, and he said in these times, whatever you're close to, that's what you're going to grab a hold of. And so... If you're not close to God, you're going to grab for maybe drugs or alcohol or some other kind of thing to give you comfort. But I'm glad to know that if we're close to God, we can grab a hold of Him and He will take care of us. And He will hold on to us too. And I'm thankful for that tonight. 
I've held a lot of things in my own two hands, but I lost them all, I'll confess, but everything I've ever placed in the hand of the Lord, these things I What's been given? 
mentioned the Looper girls, children of your pastor, but I do appreciate them. I want to be kinder to young people than I've ever been before. Uh, as you might expect, uh, it's been a life-changing experience in our life, and uh, I want it to be an improvement in every way, if at all possible. And so I want you young people to know today that, that I love you and I do want you to be saved and I appreciate you for living for God. And if you're not, I would admonish you to, to do so and do it now because I'm very aware that you're not promised tomorrow. You probably don't believe that, but I can, I can guarantee you tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. <clears throat> Amen. But but many people have been kind to me and spoke well of Blake uh, following his death. And I always tell them, uh, thank you for having kind things to say about my son and for being kind to him while he was alive. And so if I can put in a plug for your pastor's children, I don't want to embarrass them. But... Uh, uh, but you're blessed to have such a wonderful family and leadership in this church. <clears throat> Amen. And so you will you will do yourself a favor uh, to be kind to your pastor's family, his children. God will not forget your kindness toward. Uh, your pastor's family. Amen. Uh, I will certainly leave something unsaid. I apologize if I do, but uh, I do want to preach to you for just a little bit today. Thank you, Brother Looper, for asking us. He's tried a couple of times to uh, make this happen. And uh, <clears throat> I always have a reason why I shouldn't or couldn't, but we overlooked all those reasons and came on, and I'm so happy that we're here today. Amen. I'm going to read to you in the book of 1 Samuel. <clears throat> 1 Samuel. Chapter 1. I'll begin reading with verse 1 and read. Uh, some verses and then let you be seated. Now there was a certain man of this place of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, 
all these people. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the other one, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And when the time when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat by a seat, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. I'll let you be seated. You can be seated. Amen. I'm going to give you my title, and I'm going to have several things to say from these first couple of chapters or so of the book of First Samuel. I'm going to preach to you today from this little title, this thought, The Long Journey Home. I think there's a book by that title. Maybe some kind of a story. Maybe there's a drama somewhere. I don't know what I'm thinking about, but I don't even know the story. But that came to my mind. I think there is a story called The Long Journey Home. But uh, I'm, I'm going to preach to you a Bible story today. <clears throat> that we are most, probably, most of us, are familiar with the story of Hannah and uh, the fact that she had no children. In the first portion of the first book, first chapter, the first book of Samuel, this woman, Hannah, and of course, not going to try to figure all that out, but she was wife to a man who had another wife. And... uh, that, I suppose, I know it would be nowadays, it would be that Hannah and Penina would be enemies, probably arch enemies. And uh, so I suppose it probably was something like that back then. But I do know that one woman had children, the other woman, Hannah, did not and could not have children. It was very important to women in those days to bear their husband Children, in particular, boy, boy babies, but any children. It was an honor for a woman to bear her husband 
children. And it was a dishonor to her if she was not able to bear children for her husband, become a mother for her husband. And so both of these women knew that stigma that came with being barren and not able to produce children. And so it was already, as you might imagine, a heavy load. We, we don't shame women or it's not a disgrace for a woman to not be able to bear children nowadays, but most women desire to have children, not only to honor their husband, but uh, but just to be able to have children and the joy of raising children. And uh, and some of you may know this uh, feeling, and I know the other other people that do, and especially for the woman, it becomes a heavy burden upon them. Even nowadays, a woman uh, that is not able to bear children, they will cry many tears, they will pray many prayers, they will seek for a prophecy from a man of God to uh, to prophesy a child to be born, and 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 so that's nowadays. Even more so back then, it was a heavy burden burden for a woman to carry knowing she was not able to produce children. And so Hannah, day in and day out, I'm sure uh, there were days when it wasn't so heavy, but then there were many days when the, the burden of being barren pressed down heavy upon her. And even especially when she would see her husband uh, being a father to or a dad to uh, uh, Penina's children and, and see them together as a family and, and uh, being father and son or mother and, and daughter. And, and so the, the, the weight of that whole burden would just be uh, magnified when she would see things like that. And uh, I can imagine, I can imagine now, uh, going through the experience I'm going through, I can imagine she would look forward to the time where she could go to the house of God with her husband. And sure, the other portions of their family would be going along with, but, but I know the importance today of going to the house of God and being able to worship God. Amen. I know there ain't nothing that can take the place of going to the house of God and lifting my hands and giving praise to Almighty God. Oh, there ain't nothing that'll lift a burden like lifting your hands and raising your head and calling on the name of the Lord in worship. Hallelujah. Oh, and I pray that somebody realize today, it don't matter how dark the day, how heavy the burden, if you'll just make your way back to the house of God, you can find joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost that only going to church can give. I want to briefly mention, and I just recently preached, that's why it's fresh on my mind, but briefly mention that David, when he was praying for his child that was sick unto death, we know that he finally died, ultimately died about seven days in, whatever. But we know that David fell down in the dirt. And he moaned and groaned and cried just like you can imagine. And he wouldn't eat and somebody would come by and try to encourage him. And he didn't want to hear any of their words. He was as low as he had ever been and everybody knew it. A heavy, heavy burden upon him. Some of you feel like you've been where might be right now where David was. Some of you may feel like you're suffering like Job. But I tell you what David did when he realized it was all out of his hands. He had done prayed every prayer he could pray and cried every tear he could cry and the, and the baby died. The Bible says that David 
got up from where he was. He got up out of the dirt and washed himself off, cleaned his face, put his clothes, put his church clothes on, and he went back to the house of God and he worshiped the Lord. That's what somebody ought to do today is you ought to acknowledge God in the midst of your trouble and God will deliver you out of your trouble. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Just don't forget the power. There is power in going to church and worshiping the Lord. And so I feel like Hannah probably, when that yearly time came, she packed her meager necessities and hers alone. Perhaps she may have helped with her husband's belongings, whatever was necessary for the journey. But I know how it is to go to church, so I can imagine she looked forward to the uh, respite, the, the, the distraction from the daily. And I don't want to call church a distraction, but it is a refuge from the daily grind and the heavy burden. And in her case of not being able to bear children. I don't know what your heavy burden is, but always include church in your bearing of your burden. Go to the trouble of packing your belongings and making the journey to church no matter how heavy your burden may feel. You'll be much better off in doing so. So... And I'm sure, as I've said uh, a couple of times already, I'm sure she looked forward to this time. The Bible said that every time, year after year, as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. It did not cease. She went to church when she was sad and down and out. She went to church when somebody was mocking and making fun of her. She went to church looking for relief from her heavy burden and somebody added to her heavy burden. But the Bible says she went back to church year by year. When her husband said, it's time to go to church, she got ready and went to church. I imagine she figured out somewhere along the way that I've got to make this journey with this woman in my ear all the way there and all the way back. I imagine she figured out it's going to happen again this time. I've got to listen to her say, I've got kids and you don't. I'm a better wife to the husband than you are. And I can imagine she hated the thought of making that journey to the house of God with this adversary in her ear. But the Bible said year by year, when her husband said it's time to go and worship at the house of God in spite of her adversary, it didn't matter what she said and how loud or how often she said it. 
Hannah got ready and went to church. I believe she felt like somewhere down the road, God is going to help me out of my trouble. And church is the only way I'm going to find what God is going to do for me. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to tell the devil, you can say whatever you want to say to me, devil, from the house to the church house. But I'm going to church one more time, and I believe God's going to hear my cry. Glory to God. Year by year, day after day, week after week, you just keep going to the house of God. And God will be faithful to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or you can let the devil, or your neighbor, or your sister, or your whoever it might be, talk you out of going to church. And I'll tell you what you'll do is you'll sit at home with your burden. You'll sit at home without your answer. You might not get your answer today, but I'd rather be at church asking for it than sitting at the house with the devil laughing in your face because he talked you into staying home one more day. Somebody needs to turn off the adversary and go to the house of God. Go to the house of God. Year after year, day after day, month and week after week. Somebody ought to go to church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, the devil's a liar. Don't you listen to the devil. Glory to God, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you got to be barren or sick, or worried or concerned, you're much better off to be barren at church than you are at home alone. Amen. And so, Hannah, looking forward to worshiping God, but perhaps not looking forward to the trip there, listening to her adversary make all of their plans as a family to worship God. And she's just hoping to get in on a little bit of it herself. Her husband, of course, trying to make matters better. And uh, thankfully, he did try. But year after year, year after year, she would go to church with a burden and turn around and walk back or go back home with the same burden. The long journey home from the house of God. Knowing that one more time the enemy has overcome her. Her adversary mocking, laughing, talking in her ear. But she had to go back home continue to be who she was, to be what she was supposed to be to her family, to her husband, and whoever else might have been concerned with her. And so, year after year, this took place until the Bible said that she went to the house of God one day and she was in bitterness of soul. Prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden, handmaid, and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child, that I will that then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. There shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou, wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter Belial, uh, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. So Hannah is praying in such a manner that the priest thought she was drunk. I have heard that Eli was so out of touch with the things of God that he was not even aware of what this woman was doing. Perhaps that may be the case, uh, but I feel like she was praying so un commonly or unusually, that it got his attention. He had not seen anybody pray like this before. So to you that may be looking for an answer, how long has it been since you prayed so unusually that somebody mistook your prayer for something else? I I, I don't know the proper way to tell somebody to pray except for effectually and fervently. And so I encourage you today to call on the Lord diligently and fervently. Amen. And so she said, don't, don't name me with the drunkards, and, uh, but I've poured out my heart unto God. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast, hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Amen. It finally paid off. Going to church finally paid off for Hannah. Amen. And I believe that it's still the promise today that you can find God if you'll keep looking for Him. If you'll keep knocking, the door will be opened. If you'll keep asking, the answer will be given. If you'll keep seeking, you will find. I believe that to be the truth tonight, today. You just keep looking, you'll find God. The first place you need to look is at the house of God. And so the Lord came through, and I, and I believe this time, well, it's quite evident, this time on her way home, she had a spring in her step. Her eyes were enlightened. She held her head high and let her adversary say whatever she wanted to say. Let her prance her little darling children in front of her as much as she wanted to. It didn't matter because I heard from God and the Lord has given me a promise. And devil, you're still a liar and God is still the truth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is where you find the promise. This is where you find the promise. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. They rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about uh, after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And she began to enjoy her life, maybe for the first time in a long time. The Lord had heard her prayer, and she had much to be thankful for. Amen. And so the day came when uh, Hannah, uh, Elkanah, her husband, uh, was uh, ready to go back for the yearly sacrifice. And Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And so you know the rest of this story, but after she spent some time, some years, probably just a few years with her uh, only and newborn son enjoying him, she remembered her promise to God after God had given her a promised son. The Bible said that when uh, that Samuel was weaned, this time she went up to the house of the Lord with her husband. And she took Samuel the child, brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to, uh, try to talk about this whole story. But Hannah, this time when she left church, left the house of God, she left that precious boy baby at church where she told the Lord she would lead him, leave him. You gave him to me, I'm giving him back to you for as long as he lives because I said I would. I can only imagine when she turned around and left church that day and walked or journeyed back home. It was a long journey home. Because her her joy, her pride and joy had been left behind. I can imagine her adversary cranking up her song again. And blabbing in her ear. And prancing her little children in front of her. And where's that boy now? I don't know what all she said. I'm probably imagining some things. But I know the devil. I know the devil. You made a promise to God. And when you try to keep your promise, God delivers His Word to you. 
and you try to keep your promise to the Lord, and you go to church, and you pour it all out, and you say, God, I told you I'd do this, and here it is. The moment you walk out the door, the adversary is going to be laughing at you. and Say, what a fool. The Lord filled your hands with wonderful things, and you took it right back in there and laid it on that altar. Look over there at your neighbor. They got their kids going to the river. And they got their kids on the ball team. And they got their kids doing this and doing that. And you took yours down there to that old man at the church and gave him back like a fool. Can you imagine going back home knowing that your little boy, you might see him this time next year when you go back to church to worship. And you just hope he's going to remember who you are if you get a chance to talk to him and speak to him. And from the time she left the house of God and left Samuel behind all the way home, I imagine being a mother she might have, not I being a mother, but her being a mother, she might have had second thoughts. Did I do the right thing? Should I have kept my mouth shut and just said, God, give me a boy baby and let that be the end of it? Would God have given me the boy baby without me promising him back to God in return? Why do I have to say that? Is there any way I can weasel my way out of my promise after God gave me His promise, gave me His Word, and a boy baby and a precious gift? Is there any way I can get out of it? Because the devil's going to make you wonder all the things you did wrong when you drag your children to the house of God and you drive right by somebody that ought to be here and they and their children out in the front yard playing hopscotch or you know they laid up in the house watching the, whatever's on the television or they're too can't get up because they've hung over from the Saturday night and enjoying whatever they're doing with their children and the devil's laughing at you because you're dragging yours, perhaps kicking and screaming out the front door back to church. Yeah, one more time, we're going back to the house of God and the devil's going to make you feel like an idiot for it. Why'd you even tell God you'd go to church this many times? You, you see, you see, you're your uh, rival and her children doing all that you could be doing with yours. But no, you had to open your mouth and say, God, I'm going to dedicate my child to you. Is there, is there anybody here that can remember standing right up here in front of this? I've never been here for one, but I can just imagine. It's probably what you do. Standing up here with your child dressed all in white. Everybody's got on a nice new dress and a new tie. and The family from every uh, direction has driven in to be here for a ceremony of dedication as you gave your child uh, back to God in a cute little ceremony. Can you remember that day or night, whenever it might have been? It might have been a joint ceremony with a few other babies. It might have been yours specially, just for you. Most of us did it, <clears throat> and I'm sure most of you remember doing it, even if you didn't raise your hand. If you didn't do it, if you didn't raise your hand because you hadn't done it yet, you might ought to do it.
dress him up, put that white suit on him, drag him up here and dedicate him to God. Some of you remember doing that. And you took your little baby back home with you, and you did with, with him what you wanted to do. You enjoyed him. And when, when the Lord came and said, hey, I need him for this or that or the other. God, you gave him to me. I don't think I'm ready or that's not what I intended to happen with this child. And so the Lord, I hope, reminds us all of the time we stood before our pastor and the congregation and said, Lord, you gave him to me. I'm going to give him back to you. That's easy. That's real easy. That's nice. Everybody's hugging you and congratulating you and admiring your children and your, uh, your godliness in standing and proclaiming that here they are, God, they're yours. Until the day comes when the pastor says, you know, I've been noticing that uh, you may not be giving your child like you should. We know that church does not approve of certain activities, but your child happens to excel at this activity. And you, uh, the cute little white outfit is in the back of the closet and forgotten. You don't even remember what song was sung or whatever. All that's behind you now and all, and, and, but all you can remember now or all you know now is, <clears throat> well, this ain't gonna last forever. So I'm going to make sure that, uh, we get to enjoy this. For the time being. We'll be back. But not right now. And so. This happens. In churches all over the country. I may be way off base here. But I know. How people are. With their children. It's easy to say. Here they are Lord. Until the Lord reaches down and tries to take them out of your hand. And then it's, I didn't mean it. Until the pastor walks by while he's preaching and lays his hand on one of these boys' shoulder. And you get a little inkling that he may be preaching to your son. And you start having second thoughts about going home without Samuel. Some man pointing his finger at my Samuel, telling him what to do. You know what? It makes some people turn around halfway home and go back to Shiloh and say, "Uh, don't think I meant that. We'll do it. We'll do it sometime down the road or We'll do it from the house, but 
I, I don't think I can leave him at the church house with the man of God. <clears throat> I, I'm quite sure that I'm speaking about some people that are not here today, tragically, should be here with their whole family, but 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 they turned around halfway home and went and got theirs and, and went home to enjoy their family. Now their family's scattered. You know anybody like that? <clears throat> but they're not here and I can't preach to them. So I want to make some, I'm sure somebody here today knows that no matter how long and difficult the journey may be, back to the house from leaving Samuel at Shiloh. And you're hearing your adversary laughing in your ear all over again. You had said a few years of peace because you could say to your adversary, the Lord answered my prayer. This time you're walking back home again without your son. And the devil, your adversary, whoever it may be, is laughing. You can imagine it was a long, long trip home. I'm reminded of the story of when Mary and Joseph, they were headed home from the same, same thing, worshiping. They were headed back home, realized their son, Jesus, was not with them. So they turned around and went back to get him, and he basically rebuked them. He said, why are you come looking for me? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? The Bible said that he submitted himself to them and went home with them anyway. <clears throat> uh, so there's difficulties. I know I've slowed way down, but just give me a few more minutes. I'm going to be done. There's difficulties in raising children that you have dedicated to God. Because sometimes they don't always cooperate. That's when you must have the mind of God and your ear tuned to the words of God that come from your man of God. Amen. And so here is Hannah walking home with a renewed or a brand new burden. As her adversary says, God gave you one and you foolishly gave him back. So I'm sure Hannah does not know at this time the result of her Keeping her promise. I don't know how long it was, but more than one time in the first few chapters of the book of First Samuel, the Bible says that Samuel the child grew on. And this one verse in the child Samuel grew on was also in, was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And then verse, verse 19 of chapter 3. I want you to hear me just for a few more minutes. And Samuel grew. So I don't know how long this was from that first journey home without Samuel until this time. I don't know how long she had to wonder what, if any, benefit was going to come from her giving her child up back to God.
But we find in verse 19 of chapter 3, And Samuel grew. So some time later, with probably uncertainty racking her brain and ripping her heart. Why? Why? Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be the prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So I don't know, what I don't know is how long it took. But finally, one more time, and ultimately, Hannah gained victory over her adversary. The one that laughed when she didn't have kids and the one that laughed when she walked away from her child and left him in the hands of the Lord. The day came when Samuel stood, if you will, behind a pulpit and the Word of God came flooding through his spirit and he spoke the words of the Lord to the people of God. The Bible said that uh, his, the Lord did not let any of His words fall to the ground. Every word He spoke was as though the direct words of God, and they were not in vain. And all Israel knew that Samuel was, was established to be a prophet of the Lord. <clears throat> and Hannah could say, Thank you, Lord. Because I kept my promise to you after you gave me the one thing I desired most, I now realize finally and ultimately that I did the right thing. <clears throat> and let your adversary parade her children across in front of you and say, where are yours? Mine is a businessman. Mine is a captain in the army. Mine married a wealthy man. Mine did this. Where's yours? And Hannah could say, you'll be hearing from him shortly when he steps to the pulpit and delivers the Word of God to God's people. And your wealthy children will sit down and hear from my Samuel what thus saith the words of God. I don't believe she was proud and boastful, but in her heart she could say, I kept my word and God delivered to me one more time. Hallelujah. You're not going to get any better. Than, and it just so happened, I didn't know my wife was going to sing this morning, but you're not going to get any better than taking what God gives to you and bringing it right back up here to this altar and say, God, oh, you trusted me with it for a few years, but here I'm going to trust you with him for the rest of his life. He's yours. You do what you want to with him. You, you can't get no higher than that. You can't get no more honorable than that than to give what God gave to you. Give it right back to him and it will be kept forever. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I promise you I'm about done. In this man's hands, 
though they may be younger than yours. And your opinion may be less experienced than yours. This man's hands, because he's in God's hands, is the safest place you can lay your child and say, God, here is my Samuel. Do what you will with him. Can you imagine Moses' mother walking away from her newborn baby in an ark in the river floating in the, in the bulrushes, whatever it is. Can you imagine walking away from that? Don't you know that was a very, very difficult thing to do? But she knew that was the safest place for her child. And so one of these days, if you hadn't already done it, one of these days you better walk out of this church with your child left on this altar and go back home saying, God, He's yours. Not because I want to leave him behind. Not because I want to let go of him. I want to hold him in my arms forever. But because that's the safest place for him. I'm not calling anybody to preach and I'm not saying you got to be one to be great in the kingdom of God. But if you ever want to hear him stand before the people of God and proclaim to them the words of God. You're going to have to make a long journey home with Samuel behind at the house of God. This little young man that looked at his mother, Jesus looked at his mother and said, What are you looking for me for? Don't you know I've got to be about my father's business? The Bible said she kept those words. She didn't understand, but she kept those words in her mind from that day forward. Can you imagine going home with him wondering what in the world he meant? Why was he talking to me like that? There had to be a burden come with those words. Don't you know? Why are you looking for me? Don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? Basically rebuking her. Don't you know that was a hard thing for her to take? And for some while she didn't know exactly what he meant. She was a mother of a very unusual child. Till the day came where she was at a wedding and her son Jesus was there. And she went to him and said, they're out of wine. And he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? My time has not yet come. And again, it sounds as though he's rebuking her and her heart probably. Can you imagine hearing your child talk to you like that? How it would, how it would feel. But she knew by then, you do whatever he says, we're all going to be better off. So I don't know when the day's coming, but I promise you God will make it very clear to you what he will and wants to do with your Samuel if you're willing to leave him at Shiloh. I know what happened to us, and I'm about done. I promise you I'm about done. I know what happened to us. We did say, Lord, He's yours. Do what you will with Him. We just didn't know He was going to use Him the way He did use Him. You know what? I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather Brother Looper give me the honor of, of having Blake preach this morning. I'd rather, I'd rather think that my son was standing here preaching the Word of God to you. That's the way I wanted Him to use Him. 
I wanted him to be a great singer. He wasn't much of a singer. He wanted to be. I'd rather, I, I, that's the way I wanted him to be used. Stand behind a pulpit and sing a powerful song before he preaches a powerful message and people are saved and drawn to an altar because God uses him in a mighty way. But I didn't have a choice because I said, Lord, he's yours. And my wife said, Lord, he's yours. And so when God came for him that day, I'm glad he didn't give me a chance to talk about it. I'm glad he didn't give me an option, a choice in the matter. He just knew that I meant what I said when I said, Lord, he's yours. Do what you will with him. And so I say that to you as I'm done today. I say this to you. That God giveth. These are basically the words of Job, the Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. <clears throat> what He gave to you, He can take from you. Be much better if you would give it to Him. Don't make Him take it from you. I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to think about, it don't have to be a son or a daughter. It doesn't have to be a child. I want you to think about what God has blessed you with. And ask yourself if you're willing to turn it back over to Him. No, we can't imagine walking home without it. We can't imagine the long journey home without our prized possession. But maybe you can imagine people coming to God. And being saved because you let go of your prized possession. Turned it back over to God. I don't know what it might be today, but I'm asking you if you would, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your nation, people of God, your church, Would you be willing to say, God, you loved me enough to give it to me. I love you enough to give it right back to you and you do what you will with it. My only hope now is that the death of my son is not in vain. And if God could not use him behind a pulpit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that my God will use his death to bring people to God and others be saved. That's my desire today. Is that the work of God be done? Because I turned around and my wife walked away from Shiloh. Went back home empty handed. I promise you what God will do is He will make him a prophet over the people of Israel. He will make none of His words to fall to the ground. That's what God will do. If you'll simply take what He's given to you and give it to Him in return. Turn around and walk away. I really don't know how to close this, but if you'll stand with me. I know it's Sunday morning, but maybe there's somebody that would like to lift your hands to God and say, Lord, here is my everything. Oh, Lord, here is my all. If all is what you ask of me, 
And I will not withhold. Oh, is there somebody here? You have desires for your children to do the things of God. You're going to have to make sure you get them in the right place at the right time. For God to put His hand on them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. While they sing, if they have a song. While they sing, could we lift our voices to the Lord in prayer this morning? Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Then giving you my very best. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody, pour your heart out to God. Give Him all. Give Him everything today. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, oh, put them in a safe place today in the name of Jesus. I tell you what I feel like doing right now. Thank you, Brother Burgess, for a wonderful message this morning. If we would hear and heed this, God would help us. I wonder if any parents would just like to get your family by the hand if you mean this today. Don't do it if you don't mean it. And walk to the altar with them. If you can't all get around here comfortably, stand in the aisles. But get your family together. If you don't have your children and family here, if you're just a couple or if you're by yourself, if you just step out and say, God, what I have left, I give to you. I just place it in your hands.
toward heaven right now. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for the things that God has placed in our hands. And help us to realize that the only things we have to hold on to is what we're willing to let go of. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your voice unto the Lord right now. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God's plans are not always like our plans. But God's plan is always the best plan. There's sometimes we all want to give God some advice. God doesn't need any advice. All He needs is us to, is to submit, to give it to Him. Thank you, Brother Burgess, for the word of the Lord, for sharing your heart with us today. Amen. And he's speaking by experience because he knows what it is to give it back to God. And I hope God doesn't require that sacrifice out of any of us. But the way that we hold on to things is to give it to God. Amen. We've got to be willing to give it all to God.
Amen. Thank you so much for the word of the Lord. There's a lot of pastoring that could be summed up in that message. And I, I preached at a youth rally a while back. The fingerprints and the handprints of God on your life is going to look a lot like the handprints of your pastor. And if you're not willing to allow your pastor to pastor and submit your way to that, I could make the wrong decision. I agree with that because I'm human. And I have done that. I haven't always made the right decisions. But God honors the pastor. And you have seen that for years. Brother Duplessy being here for 42 years pastoring. And... When it comes time that your children's got to be pastored, you got to let them be pastored. And if you rise up against that, you're taking it back out of the hand of God and saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I, I'm not mean I've, to, to these young people. I think if you ask all of them, I've been very fair and very kind and spent countless hours with them. When the pastor walks by and says, don't need to be doing that. Don't need to be wearing that. Don't need to have your hair like that. Amen. What's going to make Christians out of them is you say, that's right. That's right. You know, I've seen this, and I'm going to say this, and I know he's done a, a great job preaching, but... He hit on something that needs to be hit on. And and I've I seen this happen in my own family. Is my daddy told us, and he, he bought nice things for us. He bought me a Corvette. In fact, he bought me two Corvettes. And uh, he told me, he said, the first ticket that you get, I'm going to sell it. Now, you put a 17-year-old in a Corvette, it's hard to drive. At that time, the speed limit wasn't 75, it was 55. It's hard to drive 55 anyway, and it's very hard to do it in a Corvette. But I believed him because he he didn't lie. And uh, I can remember my brother, Guy, he was 16 years old. I mentioned this the other night, and uh, he got a ticket doing well over 100 miles an hour. My mother was trying to cover for him, so they had to go to court. And uh, so it all come out in the light, and my daddy got told. My daddy, you know, he had connections. And uh, somebody said, well, you know, man, he shouldn't have gave him a ticket. He said, no, said he done him the best thing to do for him, the best thing that he could ever do for him. He gave him a ticket. I'm not mad at the cop. I'm proud of the cop. I'm not getting him off. He needs to pay for it. We're so used to skating by and people making an excuse for us. You know what he done? He sold that truck to Brother Harold McDaniel. And uh, he meant what he said. He walked for about, I think it was 90 days he didn't have his driver's license. And uh, he could have got mad at the state trooper, but he didn't. You know what? 
he's preaching the gospel because he had, not because the state trooper gave him a ticket, but because of a principle that was placed in his life. Amen. We need rules. We need principles placed in our life. Now, you come up here today and said you give it to God. You give your family to God. Now, remember that and leave it in God's hands. Because as a song said, there's nothing that's left on the altar that's ever lost. Everything I've given to God, God has blessed it. God has multiplied it. I don't deserve anything I have today. But it's because I gave to God. Amen. We don't deserve God's blessings, but when you give to God, God blesses you. Amen. Living for God is the best life. We don't need sports heroes. We need Christian heroes. Amen. Amen. All right, I try not to preach after every preacher gets through. I've failed this morning, but I'll do better tonight. Remember, church, tonight, let's come back praying, expecting and believing God for a great move of the Holy Ghost. Be here early for prayer. Remember, we're not going to the prayer rooms. We're coming in here. So keep your fellowship in the fellowship uh, hall, which is over at the gym. No, let's come in here and pray and seek the face of God. Let's have great church tonight. Let Brother and Sister Burgess know how much we appreciate them being here, how much we appreciate the Word of God this morning. Lord bless you.